0: and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view. This is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hi, this is Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to The Drilldown, where we relentlessly expose cronyism, corruption, and the abuse of power in Washington, D.C. Joined, as always, by Eric Eggers, who is seated by my side. And we're going to talk about intelligence spying corruption today. And it's all centered on Washington, D.C. Of course, the big news that just came out is that the Chinese balloon that we allowed to float across the continental United States before shooting it down in the sea was successfully gathering intelligence on U.S. military sites. That thing we
1: thought was spying on us turns out was actually spying on us. I know it's shocking. Uh,
0: And um, it was over U.S. military sites. I mean... It's obvious what it was doing, uh, but the fact is we didn't do anything in response to it. But the reality is the balloon's not the only way that China is spying on us. We now know that TikTok, the app that is used by tens of millions of Americans, Uh, is essentially an extension of the Chinese spy network. They gather huge amounts of data on us. Uh, That data then goes to ByteDance, which is the Chinese parent company. And ByteDance is, of course, obligated to share that information with the Chinese Ministry of State Security. What we want to talk about today is not that debate so much, although we'll enter into it. We want to talk about the dirty business in Washington, D.C. over the battle involving TikTok right now, because there's a very real push here to actually ban this app in some way. And TikTok is putting up a massive resistance, courtesy of help of some very, very powerful names and well-paid names in
1: Washington, D.C. There's numerous pushes to ban TikTok, both at the federal level and at a variety of state levels here in Florida and elsewhere. There's a a push to say, hey, any any kind of state phone, state computer, you will not be using uh, this app, you will not be accessing, uh, you know, this service because we're trying to protect, uh, you know, our information, our privacy. But I, I have to ask you this just at the outset, um, because I do think, you, you know, you get the question, I'm sure I get the question anytime we talk about some of the the Biden family connections to China, mm-hmm. which as we talked about previously. And the question was, okay, so can you point to a quid pro quo? Can you point to, is, has there been any decision the Biden administration has made that because, They've made $30 million, the Biden family, in terms of business deals with members of the Chinese national military and people connected to espionage. Can you say, we didn't do this because we're on the take here? And um, my answer, and I'm interested in your take, is I think it's less transactional and more it affects the posture with which decisions are made. And I think that's an important context for this discussion. It is. It's not so
0: much a pay-as-you-go plan. I would argue the relationship with the Chinese and and the, the Biden family. It's, it's like a subscription. Of, it's like a subscription or a retainer agreement. Yeah. And TikTok, honestly, is quite startling because this fact is completely overlooked in the debate today. But go back to 2020. Uh, the debate about TikTok is just beginning. Donald Trump you know, says he wants to ban it. The Biden campaign. Mm-hmm forbids members to have TikTok on their phones because of security concerns. The 2020 Biden campaign would not allow employees to have TikTok on their phone for security concerns. And yet, when Joe Biden comes into office in the spring of 2021, he reverses Trump's Approach to say that we need to force TikTok to sell. So they were aware of the security concerns. They cer- certainly themselves didn't want to be vulnerable, but they didn't care if people in America were vulnerable. That to me is just one example of many, but it goes
1: beyond the Bidens, right? Well, it absolutely does, but I also just don't want to overlook that what you just did is what the kids would say. That's Peter Schweitzer going deep in his bag, folks. Okay, <laughs> like that's the kind of just effortlessly dropping. Oh, you want to talk TikTok? Let's go back to twenty twenty campaign. And that's what happens when Schweitzer looks into things. No, but it's it's true, right? Because you no, know, they have a number of connections to a number of people, right? That um, you know, they've they've regularly kind of because there are now, and and it kind of it's funny. That everything that we talk about is related to this issue is stuff that we've done before, both in terms of the film that we've produced, The Creepy Line, which talks about the influence of technology and the mm-hmm. ways in which uh, we now invite technology into our homes, into our pockets, into our lives, and they gather information when, yep. years before, companies would have paid millions of dollars to yep. be able to learn about who we are. Yep. And when you combine the, the technology companies are learning, and you connect that to Chinese government then becomes particularly troubling. But it also kind of makes me think about uh, a book that we worked on a decade ago, Extortion. Right. Because sometimes members of Congress will introduce legislation, proposed bans on things, not so much because they plan on actually banning them, <laughs> right. but but because they think it's an excellent way to take money. Uh, what's good for the economy, right? Like this is right. how Washington works. That's the real scandal here. Both, if you want to get something done, you hire someone that's connected to somebody in charge, and that's what absolutely what TikTok has done. They've received briefings from people that used to work for both Nancy Pelosi and Kevin McCarthy, right? Oh, yeah. So the, the current Speaker of the House has former staff members that have spoken to TikTok and briefed their. Um, their leader before coming to, to D.C. Right. So the same thing with Nancy Pelosi. They've hired firms connected to the Biden transition team. So, yeah, anybody you need, TikTok's got. And that's one reason why people don't think an actual ban will be, be successful at the federal level.
0: That's right. So let me ask you a very personal question. Uh-oh. Where's the line where you will not do something for money? With
1: me, it's pretty low, to be honest. I I I don't think that's news.
0: (laughs) But in all seriousness, that's the question I'm asking myself as we look at the array, and we're going to go through the names. If you look at the array of prominent political people former Senator Trent Lott, Republican uh, from uh, Mississippi, is a paid lobbyist for TikTok. Look at the Democrat side, um, uh, 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 Ploof and Messina, who were the top strategic advisors to the Obama campaign in 2008 and 2012. They are now both working for TikTok. It is an amazing constellation of prominent people who've already been successful, who apparently, in exchange for a paycheck Or a payout or a consulting agreement have wedded themselves to ByteDance, a company that literally is in the same district in Beijing, China, as the Ministry of State Security, that is populated at the top elements of the company by people who still work in the propaganda apparatus of the Chinese government. And we know that this company that all these people are working for is actively engaged in collecting data, spying and spewing out propaganda on the American people. And yet all of them are happy to get paid to do it.
1: And you would draw a distinction. I think it's an important distinction because it's it's not news that former members of Congress become (laughs) lobbyists and represent (laughs) private interests and petition on their behalf in the halls of power in Washington, D.C. We've done previous episodes where we pointed out the stunning fact that there are literally as many current members of Congress as there are former members of Congress who lobby on behalf of other companies. Like that that's is right. that is the, the career path. You yes. go to go to Washington DC, yes. become a congressman, become a senator, and then go make actual money. And we've talked about the fact that political divisions seem to disappear when you're now working for the same company. It's <laughs> one of the reasons why Trent Lott will work for the same company as people from the Obama administration, right. right? Right. And so that's that's not new. But you would say, hey, it's one thing to work for American companies because these are American businesses. But you would say it's something very different when you take former members of the American power and leadership team. Yeah. Regardless of political affiliation, and you now represent a foreign entity and not just a foreign entity but America's greatest geopolitical rival and some would say active national security threat.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's hugely different. I mean, look, lobbying as we all know is can be kind of a dirty business, a lot of money gets thrown around, but it's legal and We have a constitutional right to petition the government. If you and I have a concern, we can hire a lobbyist and do so. I don't think those constitutional rights should extend to foreign governments or foreign companies. Uh, And yet it does. I don't think they have a constitutional right. And these people that we're going to talk about have made a conscious choice. Uh, That they are going to work for a foreign entity That views itself as our Chief rival on the global stage Their ambition is to surpass us In my mind, there's really not A whole lot of difference between them Working for these Chinese entities That are linked to the Chinese military Intelligence state as it would be For you to lobby for Saddam Hussein For you to lobby For Joseph Stalin For you to lobby for all of these Countries and entities that have been Rivals for us. In my mind, there's Not really a whole lot of difference, and yet both sides do it. They both collect their money, and they live comfortably. They go on television shows, and they comment on political events, and they never get asked about these commercial ties. It's
1: astounding. And to show you how far the needle has maybe moved in the last 20 years, you talk about the idea of lobbying for Saddam Hussein. That's obviously a silly, silly idea. But it's actually one that was parodied because it's so silly, because it's so humorous and conceit and absurd and absurd that the the TV show Arrested Development, which is an excellent (laughs) show, was on 20 years ago. That was kind of one of the gags is this family was so scandalous because they had a contract to build homes for Saddam Hussein (laughs) in Iraq. And so it's just this ridiculous thing. But no, but that's actually an active and thriving part of the Washington, D.C. economy. And you might you might say that's actually the real scandal of Washington, D.C. is this is how business gets done. You've got something that's perceived to be a national security threat. TikTok's got 150 million users. Now they're saying, hey, like part of their lobbying effort is, by the way, guys, like, yeah, it's not just money and we're going to hire people that are connected to you. We have 150 million users. And if you ban it, those people might vote. And so we might engage in lobbying on our own behalf um, for the American people. But then if that doesn't work, then they're going to hire literally the who's who yeah. of Washington, D.C. Uh, they've hired people connected to Kevin McCarthy, Nancy Pelosi, the Biden administration. You noted um, they've also hired this law firm called SKDK, yeah. which is part of the Washington elite. And the, and the reason why they're hiring them is because you've got two different bills at the federal government that are proposed to ban it. Now, these are different bills right. in size and scope. And this is also just kind of an interesting dynamic. And we talked about this in, in that film, The Creepy Line. But you know, Silicon Valley and technology sort of made a bet a while ago because Republicans typically, now this is actually Mm -hmm. changing somewhat, but Republicans historically are like, listen, private enterprise, you guys do what you want. We're going to be reluctant to engage. We're going to be reluctant to put restrictions on you and say how you need to do your business, how how you conduct your business. And so they've been aligned with Democrats who typically would have been more pro antitrust intervention. Right. Right. Um, And so that's why you see this, alignment with big tech Silicon Valley stuff and the Democrats. Um, And so, but now you actually see Republicans are the ones introducing legislation that might be more heavy handed here.
0: Yeah. And that it it could be for a number of reasons. One could simply be that big tech, tends to lean left. (laughs) So the left is no longer in favor of antitrust and conservatives are more in favor of it. But there are two bills uh, that are in play. One's called the Restrict Act. This bill would give the feds a wide range of powers to regulate the internet. In other words, it's not specific to TikTok, but it would give the government the authority to ban websites that present a particular national security threat, which is a big deal. Yeah, and that's kind of a slippery slope, right? I mean, I think TikTok should absolutely be banned. This bill creates a slippery... Slope. You could have an administration go through a process and determine that any website they want is a national security threat. The other one is called the Anti-Social CCP Act. I kind of like the title. (laughs) That bill is narrowly tailored to end the threat without creating a precedent for wide ranging government intervention in the social media realm. The challenge is. You can't write a bill that says we want to ban this particular product. That's against the Constitution. The Constitution prevents Congress from just targeting a single entity. So you have to come up with a bill in language that accomplishes the goal of banning TikTok, but narrowly construes it. So those are the threats, as it were, to TikTok. And TikTok's response has been what? It's been to hire a constellation uh, of people in uh Washington DC. So, you know, just to go through some of them, uh when the CEO of TikTok recently testified b- before Congress, uh he had a pretty good uh debate prep squad uh, with him that included former aides and staffers to Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy and former Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi bipartisanship as well in America. He also received counsel from uh, Andrew Wright, who's the former director of legal policy for the Biden-Harris presidential transition. Uh, He's a member of a well-connected law firm. In fact, here's a quick cut from those congressional hearings involving the CEO of TikTok. Do you disagree with FBI Director Ray and NSA Director Nekasone when they said that the CCP could have the capability to manipulate data and send it to the United States? Do you disagree with their statement? This, their
1: statement says could. Uh, so do you disagree with that? No, I don't disagree with them. Okay. Has ByteDance spied on American citizens? I don't think that spying is the right way to describe it.
0: Uh, and then if you look at some of the lobbyists, there were meetings that were arranged around his testimony by former Congressman uh, Democrat Jeff Denham and Democrat Bart Gordon, uh, among others. Um, and the list sort of goes on. You can look at, uh, you know, during the State of the uh, Union address in February, Anita Dunn, who is at the White House. She was former at, formerly at uh, SKDK that you mentioned, this lobbying firm or this communications firm that's been hired by TikTok. And more on them in a second. Yes, more on them in a second. Um, she actually, as a White House official, encouraged other groups to use TikTok. <laughs> she couldn't she couldn't encourage the White House to do so because there's a ban on having it on your government phone, but she encouraged others to do it, recognizing what a powerful communication tool it was. But then you start looking at, you know, some of the other, work that's being done in lobbying, for example. They spend $16 million since 2019, uh, and the lists of lobbyists that they have is 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 really quite interesting uh, because it's bipartisan and it includes Democrats and Republicans, and it's literally allowing this foreign entity connected to the CCP, to the Chinese government, to try to manipulate and shape legislation in the United States.
1: Now, here's the question that I, I don't know the answer to, but I feel like um, what that you just described wouldn't be legal if the united states did that in other countries right is that not a that's an active violation of the foreign corrupt practices act like we're not allowed to hire people connected to the companies that we're trying to engage with on behalf of the united states government but that's something we absolutely permit here in the united states
0: yeah we allow it here in the united states and we allow foreign entities to do it in the united states and I've talked to members of Congress, and and they think it would be a great idea to ban foreign entities from doing lobbying in the United States. The problem is, They can't get enough current members of Congress to do it. Why?
1: (laughs) Because they got too many former members of Congress throwing fundraisers. They're getting paid by these former foreign entities. And like, listen, guys, this is your next gig. Exactly. They're thinking,
0: what am I going to do when I leave the house? And okay, yeah, I, I might be able to do some lobbying for American companies. But by and large, foreign entities, especially ones that are in battle like TikTok, they pay a lot more money because they know they're in peril, they know they're controversial, and they can always find people who are prepared to do it. Uh, One of the people that lobbies for them, by the way, is John Bro, former Democrat, a senator from Louisiana, who I think picked it perfectly when he started his lobbying career. He said, I'm a lobbyist. I'm not for sale, but I'm for rent.
1: He's for rent. You love him because he was one of the, I he, love that st- he started off a, a, law f- a lobbying firm with, uh, I think it was Trent Lott, right? Correct. Yeah. So it was like, oh, a Democrat and Republican are going in business together. Hey, look at that's unusual. You know, it's crazy too, to think about just from an incentive structure standpoint is you talk about, okay, so does the fact of the Biden family is doing business with China, yeah. does that influence the Biden administration's policy and posture towards China but obviously as uh, the nature of our government it's not just like Joe Biden making decisions and that's how we right. do things as a whole team we got members of congress got members of the senate but if you're thinking in the future like it might actually impact the way you act now because you're thinking about who might pay you later. Absolutely. You're in government. You know you're only going to be there for a short period of time. And it's not unusual to think yep. that because literally everybody you used to work with is doing it. <laughs> right, right?
0: <exactly. laughs> okay. It's called keeping your options open. You always want to keep your options open. And Anita Dunn, who's in the Biden White House, as senior advisor, is a classic example of this. She, of course, has a long pedigree in Democratic circles. She was tied with Hillary Clinton. She was uh, tied with Barack Obama. She's held former White House senior positions. In between jumping back and forth between the private sector and these political appointees, she was one of the founders of SKDK, which used to be called SK Knickerbocker. Mm -hmm. I guess they dropped that because it was too complicated, but SKDK, she's a founder of it. Her former firm is now working, doing comms, communications work for TikTok. And the notion that I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that she goes back to SKDK when she leaves the Biden White House. She's done that several times. The notion that now that TikTok is a client of her former firm and future firm, is not going to influence her and not going to help her, in a sense, become an advocate, even indirectly in the White House, is is just patently absurd. Everybody knows that game is going on.
1: Yeah, in fact, the opposite's true, right? That's yeah. why you hire a firm like that. You right. hire a firm like that because of their connections to people that are currently in the administration and because of their influence and relationships and bill and the ability to get them to listen. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and so actually, you know, SKDK has been called the go to communications firm for Chuck Schumer. uh uh-huh. Senior senator from New York. Now, here's. What, and the,
0: and the uh, leader of the Senate right now. Absolutely.
1: Right. Yeah. And so at least. Uh, yeah. So one of the things that we want to kind of highlight here is that now Schumer is distinct because while you do see this emerging chorus of voices on both sides of the aisle, I think demonstrating some courage saying, listen, TikTok seems like it's a problem. you got Democrat senators, you got Republican senators, but Chuck Schumer is sort of distinct in terms of his, he's quiet on this. He's, he's mm. soft on this. It's and, called keeping your options open. And the fact that they have hired, right, this firm that is so connected to him uh, is considered to be one of the reasons, right? One of his alumni is a guy named Justin Goodman, his former communications director who now works specifically for SKDK and he's got other people as well. Um, Mike Moore is a former comms guy there for Schumer as well. So he's got multiple former staffers at this firm. This firm represents TikTok, and Schumer now becomes somebody who is not, let's say, leading the charge right. on doing anything against TikTok. And we actually have a new report here at the Government Accountability Institute about this is not the only instance in which Chuck Schumer and other members of Congress uh, have proven to be, I guess, like somewhat malleable in terms of their positions based on the relationships that they have. We actually have numerous relatives of people that work in Congress, like Chuck Schumer specifically, who has family who, when they get hired, also seems to impact the positions Chuck Schumer takes. That's right.
0: Uh you know, when you hear the term family values, it means one thing. When you use the term family values in Washington, DC, it's proving your value in proximity to power if you've got a family member who's in a position of power and of authority it's your opportunity to cash in and in the case of uh the senator from new york uh, his daughter um he's actually got two uh children right who are working for firms one of them works for amazon uh and there's pretty clear evidence that that he has shifted his position or has taken beneficial postures uh, in favor of Amazon that would certainly benefit his daughter, who is
1: a lobbyist at Amazon. Jessica Schumer, who, by the way, it's got to be good to be Chuck Schumer's daughter, right? She gets to go to Ivy League law school, gets a job right out of law school in the Obama administration as a Mm -hmm. lawyer for the National Economic Council. But yeah, so um, we say in our report that actually Senator Schumer was instrumental in helping to kind of kill or like at least not pass two key big tech bills that would have changed the rules of the game for companies like Amazon and Facebook and guess what both of Schumer's daughters worked at the time for Amazon and Facebook oh just a coincidence right right and just so, a... <laughs> and, and but unfortunately and that's you know the yeah. point is so it's it's yeah. TikTok it's big tech it's Hire people that are connected to the people that make the rules and the rules suddenly start to soften and change you know, on your behalf. And so this new report that you can find on our website at the dot com uh, details more of that we've got stuff about Jim Clyburn. We've got stuff about other prominent members of Congress and their family members. And unfortunately, yeah, this is I mean, this is what we do here at the government accountability. Institute. We talk about the, the, the decade long tradition Well, it's been around for longer than that, but we've been around for a decade. And so our tradition is showcasing and highlighting the ways in which money that goes in one person's pocket impacts somebody else's policy. Now, of course, Chuck Schumer tries to maybe pretend like it's on the table. He's indicated an openness to the idea previously.
0: This won't make my daughters happy, but how about banning TikTok? Well, that's a great question. It's something that should be looked at. We do know there's Chinese ownership of uh, the company that owns TikTok. And so there are some people in, in the Commerce Committee that are looking into that right now. We'll see We'll see where they come out.
1: Of course, given the fact that Chuck Schumer likes to stand up for family, it seems unlikely that anything's going to happen, at least on his behalf.
0: Yeah. And here's the bottom line. I mean, look, we, we all understand the game in Washington, D.C., that, you know, companies, labor unions, individuals make Donations to political figures—they want to get them elected. But if you're a big donor, you you probably have an ability to get meetings with uh, political figures. We all understand that, and we understand also the lobbying game, right? That lobbyists hold fundraisers, you do favorable. What I think is particularly terrible about what you're talking about with Senator Schumer is you're not talking about helping somebody advance their political campaign or their political career. You're talking about literally putting money in the pockets. In the pockets of a politician's family member. Now, what Chuck Schumer is going to say is, "Well, they're adult children, and and it's look. Let's be honest. I'm sure that these are are two, you know, very good uh, lawyers. Um, they're very smart. But do we honestly believe they would have had the career trajectory if their last name was not Schumer? And the fact that they went into lobbying has no connection with the fact that their father is the leader of the of the Senate." It's absurd to think otherwise. And so this is the problem. It's a self-enrichment racket. And that's why I think one of the reforms that we pushed for a long time, it's not going to get much traction. Disclosure. Is is disclosure. But also there should be a ban. Ooh. If you are an elected member of Congress, or you have a senior position in the executive branch, you yourself should not be able to then go on and lobby. After that fact, if you have served your time in Congress, great, go off and teach, start a business, do something productive, but you cannot become a lobbyist, but also a ban on your immediate family members from being a lobbyist. I remember seeing a study years ago, I think it's probably the same uh, now, but years ago saying that entirely one third, 33 U.S. senators at the time, had at least one immediate family member, meaning a child, an adult child, or a spouse who was a registered lobbyist. Um, that's just atrocious. It's, it's become a self-enrichment racket, um, and Chuck Schumer's engaging in that right now.
1: My takeaway from that is that by not being an elected member of Congress, I'm actively limiting my children's career trajectories. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: I think it'd be worth just to see you in the halls of Congress for some congressional hearings. I think that would be outstanding. Don't let that deter you. We'll keep you on the straight and narrow okay. path, but okay. uh, we, we need to make sure you do that. Well, you can find this report uh, on our website, thedrilldown.com. There are numerous examples from both sides of the aisle. We're going to be talking about more uh, about this report uh, on our podcast. We would encourage you to check it out. So your final thoughts, TikTok. Do you think TikTok is going to be ultimately banned? What What's going to be the result of all of this? Yeah, I
1: don't think it will be banned just because it's so massive. But I do think that the states that will be successful in keeping it off of key devices, right? And so I think that they will have just honestly, I think the conversation is productive, because by having the conversation, it helps raise awareness about the fact that the information they're collecting doesn't just go off into the ether, it actually goes somewhere where that's useful to help prop up America's geopolitical rivals. Uh, I think there's a. I think it's hopefully the beginning of a much larger conversation that America should have about technology social media specifically social media and access to children so i think if we're it's i think it should start with tiktok but i think it should be a much bigger and more robust conversation so hopefully this is the beginning
0: yeah it is the beginning although the sad reality is this issue is not going away thank you for listening to the podcast you can find this podcast on the drilldown.com and thank you for joining us